Good evening, good evening, good evening, everybody. This is Pastor Jay, and we're going to start off in decency and in order. And we're going to start off with a scripture and a prayer. And the scripture we're coming out of is Romans 8 and 6. And it says, the mind governed by the flesh is death, but the mind governed by the spirit is life and peace. When you put God in the middle of it, he'll give you more life into the situation. He'll bring you more peace and you can be able to center yourself with that peace, that peace that no one can rob you because the source of your strength is the one who gives you that peace. And that is God. Amen. Dear Father, thank you, God, for this day. Thank you for bringing us halfway through this week. Let's be able to say something. Let's be able to witness to something. Let something be said today that could be able to help grow someone in their walk, helps grow someone in their craft. God, let somebody that does not know you be able to hear something today, God, from, from this platform. Let us be able to touch the unreachable, touch all the unteachable, God, so that they could be able to say, what can I do to be saved, God? God, we just thank you for everything. Enlarge our territory. Let us be able to be more of you and, and less of us so that we could be able to walk this journey in decency and in order. God, we love you. We glorify you. We give you all the glory and all the praise. And we say that all in Jesus' precious name. Amen. 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 This is Pastor Jay. And like always, you can follow me at Anointed Jaylon on Instagram and, and on Twitter. And you can follow me on um What's a face? Facebook at Pastor Jalon Calhoun um, to be able to get all of my, I guess you could say, updates. And make sure you go download my two singles I have out, Renew My Praise and Jesus, You Make Me Happy on all digital platforms. And yeah, that's me. Um, another thing I want to everybody to know is to go follow, um, is to go follow the, um, Mr. Chris Johnson. See, Doc Clay, don't look at me like that. And you and you on mute anyway. You know, that's why you're on mute. Amen. Not no more. Follow, um, <laughs> Chris Johnson at Tim Chris J. Um, getting chasing after you and um sinchrisj.com be able to see his apparel and all the things that he has. He has a shirt called Kingman, he has worship or die, he has a lot of out uh I would say outfits or a pure line that be is real great. So yes, make sure you go follow Sing Chris J at all uh, social media platforms in his absence. Doctor Clay, since you're the first one to unmute and to come on, <laughs> Amen. Amen. I'm sorry, I'm, I'm kind of busy in here working still. So you know how that is. Um, so this is Doctor Marvinetta Clay, the love child, as they say. And oh, that line, didn't it? Wow. Okay. Um, <laughs> anyhow, you all can find me on my website, drmarvinettaclay.com, and go to all the, um, you know, Instagram, Facebook, all that, and you'll see me as uh, one of my Clay M, Dr. Clay, Marvinetta Clay. Anything you see, Clay, Marvinetta, it's pretty much me. I don't think there's too many more out there. And uh, follow me on my website with my song, Worship Forever. And also look out for the next two releases that are coming out. Um, what is the Fly Away? And God is so good. And also uh, my website for my apparel as well, um, on worshipforever1.com. So it'll be coming out soon. Um, just God is doing some great things. So love y'all. Amen. Amen. So we got DW. You you on you on mute, DW. Can't hear you. 
I'm on, that's a, can I tell you guys something? So as soon as I'm logging on, you know the um the little beeping noise on the fire detector, the the fire detector, it literally just started going off, and I can't find it in the house. Ooh. So that's why I'm just kind of on mute. The worst thing ever, and I can't find which one it is. So it's like you may hear it in the background. So I'm just gonna tell you in advance before you judge me. But I am DW. We you can follow me on Instagram at the DW Experience, and um, I'm looking forward to the interview tonight. Amen. And then we have Mr. David Arnold in the building. Just came out with this hot, hot off the press Netflix special. Uh, Fat Ballerina, which was hilarious, just the title in it. You have to watch it. I'm not spoiling it. But yes, we have the maestro in the house. Hey, what's up, everybody? I'm David A. Arnold. Uh, you can find me on Instagram or across the board. If you put in David A. Arnold, you will find me and everything about me. You have to put in the A. If you put in David Arnold, you're going to get the white man that does all the soundtracks for James Bond. That ain't me. So a lot of people put in David Arnold. They're like, who is this? And I'm like, yeah, that's not me. I am David A. Arnold. And I am glad to be here, especially when I when my pub when they told me that they wanted me to come do the show, I was like, has he seen my special? Is he sure he wants me? And I was like, this is great to be here. It's fantastic. I'm it says a lot that you watched and you want me to be a part of this because there are many sides to me more than just what people see you know, for what I do for work. So it's really great to be here. It's good to see everybody. Thank you so much for making me a part of this. Amen. And you know, one thing I could definitely say is I'm still humbled for you doing a shout out for us too, because you did a while back a shout out for us. Yeah. And that shout out was hilarious. I want you to know almost crashed. I, <laughs> I was listening to it while coming from California, um, yes. from LA, and I was listening to it and I started dying out laughing. I had to stop on the side of the road and listen to it again before posting it. But I definitely appreciate the love, um, especially here in Las Vegas. We don't um, get much traction here, especially when it comes to the gospel realm. So for you know, someone on your caliber. Oh, you in the city of sin. You got your work cut out for you. <laughs> <laughs> you need to be 24 hours. That's what you need to be. They oh. need to be on all day on this network. If you if you don't have to get some slot machines in the liquor, so I need you to never sign off. <laughs> <laughs> so with that being said, one thing I want to uh, definitely say, um, being in all due diligence um, for going into interview, I want everybody to remember that the youth explosion is coming up uh October 24th, Youth Explosion. It's going to be virtual and it's going to be in person, half and half at uh, 311 Madison Ave, Las Vegas, Nevada, 89106. They're going to have the Las Vegas Unity Singers. They're going to have the host is Pastor James. Um, Pastor Jamie is going to be the MC. A lot of great people, but I'm going to be singing, y'all. So y'all go ahead and make sure y'all there. I told y'all everybody else and I went last. So yes, I'll be singing there. Um, so make sure you go check out the 2020 Youth Explosion. It's going to be great. And it's going to probably be my first debut of me uh, performing Renew My Praise. So definitely check it out. So Did that, you say Las Vegas Unity singers? Uh, Las Vegas Unity dancers. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, I'm looking at the flyer. I have to do my due diligence. You know, when people send me flyers, I got to read them. Because then after the show, they'd be like, why you didn't say my show? I was like, well, then I was all up in the mix trying to interview people. I'm not bad. You know, so I with that being out the way. Knew. <laughs> exactly. So 
now we're going to go straight into the interview. And we can't start this interview without a Pastor Jay um, icebreaker question. And that Pastor Jay icebreaker question is this. Do you like jelly or jam? Is it for me? Yeah, it's for you. Oh, uh, jelly or <laughs> jam. Uh, <laughs> he said, is that for me? I don't know. Who I <laughs> jelly or jam? Which one? I think it's jam. Jam has the little chunks of fruit in it, right? Yep. Jelly, definitely jam. Definitely jam. For sure. Okay. Part two, and this is for the bonus, for the win. How come what I like be wrong? That's not right, baby. Jelly. I mean, I, okay, go ahead. All right, let me hear the bonus. <laughs> so, grape. Or strawberry? Oh, strawberry all day long. Okay. Strawberry all day long. I was it was great when I was a kid. Then I got out the house and realized there was a whole world that they hadn't exposed me to, and I was <laughs> upset that I didn't know nothing about the strawberry jelly jam options out here in the world. I said, "Mama, you raised me on this grape. It was the other stuff out here. Like grape is what we was doing. You know, I grew up in Cleveland, so that's all I had. But when I got out in the world and I saw grape, I saw strawberry. I lost my mind." That's all we got. <laughs> My kids don't know nothing about great. Oh wow! Mm. They so now they're gonna go, they're gonna go outside in the world and they're gonna have a biscuit with some grape jelly and they're gonna mm -hmm. be like, "That's exactly. this greatness for me." <laughs> they're gonna be the exact opposite of me, Daddy. You ain't tell me about the grape. Well, your grandmama, <laughs> you know, didn't tell me about the strawberry stuff. So. <laughs> all right. So, um, going straight into the interview, I want to just first ask. Where is your hometown? I think kind of elaborate into that a little bit, but just to reiterate it for anybody coming in, where is your hometown and where do you reside now? I grew up in Cleveland, Ohio. I live in Los Angeles, California. I've been in Los Angeles for 22, 23 years now. Oh. And I'm from so what, what was the um, reason why you moved from Cleveland, Cleveland to L.A.? Entertainment business. I wanted to be in an entertainment business. I wanted to be an actor and a stand-up. And, you know, I wanted to make a living making people laugh. So, you know, this is the... I've always wanted to live here. My aunt moved to California when I was a kid. And I remember she was the first one that left Cleveland. Our family had moved to California. So that was like, oh, my God, Joyce, Joyce left. Like, people couldn't believe it that somebody left Cleveland. And when I remember coming out here to visit her when I was like 11, and I got off the plane and saw those palm trees, and it was a wrap. <laughs> I was like, oh, wow. I'm moving here. The moment I get 18, and like when I, I'm telling you, the moment I got old enough to leave, I left and came to California. I've always loved California. Okay. So how, when, how old were you when you realized that stand-up and the entertainment business was for you? I tried it one time when I was 18. It didn't go well. I tried it one more time when I was 21. It didn't go well. Then I tried it again when I was 28 and it went good. And I, that's, I feel like it was in that moment, maybe no, maybe 27, 27. And it was in that moment that I went, you know what? This might be something. I might, cause I kept coming back to it over a period of years. And I was like, this might be something, you know? And ever since then, and I started, I haven't stopped since. Wow. See, that's powerful. Yeah. Uh, mm -hmm. that was 
because you know a lot of times people give up during those times because of the age you know the older you get you feel like the entertainment business wants the younger product yeah. or you know the younger guy or younger yeah. lady that's in the industry and and then people your age if you start off late they already got to a pla you know a level and you just started so that is listen when i'm all the guys that are my age that I'm friends with, that I know out here now, all of them have been doing stand-up 10 to 15 years longer than I have. Because they all started when they were 15, 16, 17 years old. I didn't start till I was 27 years old, 28 years old. So I started much later in my life. And, but it's, I've, I can honestly say since I started, when I started, you know, when I got out the military and I, and I started doing stand-up, I never once, thought about quitting and never look back again. Never. Mm. Yeah. It's never been as bad as it was with as hard as it's been, as much rejection as it's been, you know, as much rejection as it is even now. I mm -hmm. never once when you know that it's what you're meant to do, it don't even you don't even think about it. That's good. I just wanted to ask a question just kind of I had a chance. Um, first of all, I'm a fan of yours. I got to know you over um, Instagram and all of the videos that you do with your family. Oh, yeah. So I got to see the video with your mom and your mom was a road manager for the OJs. Yeah. So it just kind of seems like you were born into this. You come from an entertainment family. Yeah. What was it like growing up around the OJs, around entertainment? What was that experience like? It was, you know what, growing up watching my mother, you know, my, my, my mother, my mother married my stepfather when I was six. My stepfather started the OJs. So, you know, he actually was the one when, when the OJ started back in the, you know, 50s, it was five of them. And he was the oldest in the group and he got Eddie and Walton. He got everybody and put them together. So by the time, you know, I think I was 10, my mother was the manager of the OJs because she managed the OJs and then she went on to manage Teddy Pendergrass as well. And this was at the time when they were at the biggest, like when they were doing stadiums and, you know, like they were the, it was 74, five, six. What I, this is what I remember. I remember being on the side of the stage watching Eddie and them do, this might've been like when Love Train was out, one of their biggest hits, right? And I just remember them coming out and the thunder from the crowd and the way that I watched Eddie be so good because I watched him night after night after night because I was on a part of our summer vacation was going on the road with them and watching mm -hmm. them. You know what I mean? Like we would just be all over the place. And I would watch this guy and I realized, oh, this is this is a thing. He knows how to do this. It blew me away. It blew me away to watch somebody have control of an audience like that, you know? And so I didn't know how, I didn't know what, but I knew that I wanted that thunder. You know, I knew that I wanted it. I didn't know what I was going to do to get it, but I knew I wanted it. So it was, it was very, it, it made me, I think what it instilled in me or woke up in me was the desire to know that there was something out there different than just working, you know, a nine to five every day, that there were people who could do this. That's what, it instilled in me. That's what I remember walking away from those experiences with. Eddie was incredible. Eddie was incredible. He was he talk all the time. He he said he's seventy eight now. I go go. And I give you eight dollars. You touch your toes. He can't do it. But <laughs> Eddie, was, 
<laughs> I call him late at night just to mess with him because I know he's sleep. And late at night means 6.30. If I call him right now, he's <laughs> oh, <laughs> now, now, going up around that, I, I, and I just want to lead, lead into this question, and I want you to tell the story. Growing up, I'm wondering, how did your mom manage to manage the OJ, move on to Teddy Pandagrass, and handle three children and a strong son? Uh, because oh. I was thinking you went to Pine Forest Academy and uh, the the first or the only black um, boarding school in America or one of the first. Yes, it is. Mm -hmm. and, and you managed to get expelled. You talked to my mother before y'all I just want to hear the story. <laughs> This, this is what's so funny. Yes, the aunt, this is the deal. My mother, my mother was, my mother's like me. My mother was raised by my grandparents who, you know, they, I think she had two childhoods. She had her grandparents, her parents, my grandparents, before they found Jesus and after they found Jesus. So she got two people inside of her. My mother will pray for you and cuss you out in the same breath while she drinking. This is who she is, right? So I learned that there could be a balance between two things. And how she did it, I don't know how she did it. My grandparents were very involved in my life. They were very influential in my life. I spent a lot of time with them. And yes, I did. All of my family went to Pine Forge Academy, which was one of the only black boarding schools, the Seventh-day Adventist Christian boarding school that I went to. I was the only one to be expelled. Um, <laughs> I definitely had a reputation. I definitely thought that I was in the movies. I thought that I could do other stuff that other people, I don't know what it was about me that I just, the rules just didn't work for me. You know what I mean? It's like the boys walked on this walk, the girls walked on that walk. I'm like, I, that, don't, that ain't for me. I walk on all the walks, you know? And that's just, like, I don't know what, I don't know why. I don't know how I got like that, but I got expelled. I remember when I got I got suspended twice, then finally they expelled me. And wow. when they expelled me the third time, I came home and I just I, I remember coming home off the bus and I walked in and my parents, they disgusted now, right? They this is the third time. And the final, because I'm expelled. Uh and my father just you ever see me just look at you like what? Like, like how? And I just walked in and went, I can't do it. I tried, it's not for me. And I just went to my room. <laughs> wow. <laughs> I became this dude. But I understand it now when I look back, because if I was not all of those things, I would not be who I am today. Right. You know what I mean? And my parents probably didn't understand that. I didn't understand it. And in the moment that you're in it, you just look like a you know rebellious kid who just not going to get his self together. That's how you look. Mm -hmm. In the moment, you're like, Lord, because I remember my grandfather just like going, I've never seen a child in my life just do the things that you, he would just, he would talk to himself for hours in the other room about me. He'd be about to <laughs> he, That was prayer. That was a deep, <laughs> deep prayer. Lord, Lord Jesus, before I, I let him meet you, Lord, please come into the room and and and, and touch his mind. He, he, he ain't all there, Lord. <laughs> Something's there. 
it was it was yeah i don't i don't know but it's it i guess it worked out somehow <laughs> so going so, into that oh go, ahead. oh go ahead dr clay no i just was thinking um so do you see yourself as you know your personality your character some of the things that you went through as a child do you see any of that reflecting in any of your children 100 percent. that other one in the room that anna grace let me tell you something about that one this one got an attitude all the time i don't know why everything is free for her everything is given everything is but she walk around like she just at her wits end and i'm like oh, wow. how, how how like like they got it better than I had it. And I don't understand, but like there's moments when you just want to reach out and touch somebody. And then I realize that as I get older, I realize that while as I probably shaped and moved my parents' needle in a way that they didn't expect, these kids are doing the same thing to me. Mm -hmm. you know I, mean? I look at the core, they're not gonna be who I am. They're not gonna do it the way I do. They No teenagers care about nothing. They walk over trash. <laughs> they, they, oh, they, they, you know, they'll walk outside with one shoe on and, and just act like it's okay. She had on two <laughs> different socks the other day. I'm like, oh, what, 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 what is that, you know? And you just go, you can't have all the arguments. That little one, don't give a damn about school like she's supposed to. <laughs> You're supposed to. As much as you pay for somebody to go to school, you would think she'd be in there studying. Just I tell you, she just is in her way. She got other things to do. <laughs> just it. I, my wife is so much better at dealing with it. I come in here and close the door because I don't want to kill oh, wow. her. But it's it. Yes, I do see my girls in me a lot, okay. so much in me, and I try to pick. I try to remember that, and I try to pick out those parts and go, "Oh, the baseline, the base of who they are. They're gonna be all right." Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, I have to add this because your story um, <laughs> of what you saying is just not it kind of goes into what you were talking about with you eating some iceless cake. Um, <laughs> so, so I, I definitely, I love how Dr. Clay brought that in because I really see, I, f I feel like the generation has got, got that same attitude. Like, well, if you don't like it, then don't eat it. it you, you said, Hey, this school ain't, this school ain't for me. So <laughs> I can't do it. That's it. That's exactly the same Exact thing. And people who watch it know, listen, my daughter Aslan, she she came downstairs and literally ate all the icing off of the cake. And when I asked her about it, the, the girl never lies. And I said, did you eat all the icing off the cake? She said, yes, I did. And I was like, like, what? Like, who does that? And I was like, I, like, if you don't want any, don't have any. And she walked off. And, I was, and when you get hit with that kind of... That kind of honesty stops you in your tracks. Mm -hmm. like, I guess, you know, it's like you just, but that's exactly what I said when I got sent home from school. I can't do it and it's not for me. And I walked in my room. And like, <laughs> so that, that comes from that same well. You just, that's crazy, Jay, because you just made me realize that's exactly it. I and, and, wow. And your parents thought the same thing what you thought. Yes. Use the retirement home we're going to go to. <laughs> 
I must have. I'm, I'm gonna just let you know this. So I was at work watching oh. your series before coming on today, and I died when you said you gotta watch out. So all them parents that whoop your kids, y'all gotta remember when you about about 15 years from now, and you you took that candy, you took that popsicle away, and they gotta choose what nursing home you go to. Remember this. Remember, that's the kid that gotta choose it. See, that's why you gotta have more kids. You gotta have a, a variation of kids, a variation of kids from well, different backgrounds. And one of them take care of you, not all. There of you them. go, that one. You got one, one judge and one juror. That's it. If you got three or four, they can deliberate for a while. See what's gonna happen with you. Yeah, <laughs> a little bit. Be like, all right, you he come Monday through Thursday, and then on on the weekend, I keep on the weekend because he got a room in the back, and then he'd be quiet all day as long as you put his stories on. That's 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 exactly how we are with my mother, me and my sister. That's so funny. Oh wow! <laughs> Amen. Oh wow! Okay. Mom's amazing, by the I, way. I, I, my mother's I got, incredible. I got to see that interview uh, you did between you and your mom, and she's a natural, natural comedian, just entertaining from the beginning to the end. If anybody is out there, if you haven't watched it, go to YouTube, go to his channel, make sure you click like, subscribe and share and watch that interview between uh, uh, David Arnold and his mother because it was funny, but it was also touching because wow. there was a moment where, uh, see, I'm not going to get choked up, but um, one of the people asked what was like the proudest moment um, for your mom in your life? And she said it was when you found when I what? When you found yourself. Yeah. Is, is what she said. Um, yeah. So I'll, I'll let you explain what what was that? What was the experience you were having up until the moment that you found yourself? And what was it like founding yourself, finding yourself? Because what she said, I loved. She said, I realized I couldn't do it. I had to give it over to the Lord. Mm. Um, you know, I've, I've been sober for 23 years now, and I was going through a period where I was, you know, I was abusing drugs and alcohol. And I just remember there was many times, you know, your parents, they, they want to fix you. They want to carry you. They want you to be okay. And it just, it, I, re I remember the day I called my mother and I was like, Ma, I just need some money for this or something. She's like, I'm not giving you no more money. I said, but I ain't got nothing to eat. She said, well, you know where they got food? She said, they got food at rehab day. She said, you go to rehab, they'll give you food, they'll feed you, they'll let you stay, you know. And I just remember that moment. And I remember, you know, realizing that it was, you know, by this time I had known that that's what I needed to do. And that moment just, you know, made it clear. And now when I look back on it, I wish that she had done it five, seven years earlier, you know, and it's, it's, I can only imagine how painful it must be because when you're, until you have children, you don't understand the love for a child. Mm -hmm. Nobody will ever understand it. You think you're in love with your girlfriend or your boyfriend or your husband or your wife or whatever it is, but you have a kid, it's a whole nother level. And so I can only imagine what she was going through when she had to let me go. And, and, and I remember her saying to me, she said, I'm okay letting you go. She said, if you die, then I know that I gave you, even in all the mistakes that I made raising you, I know that I gave you exposure to enough of the right that you knew 
the right and wrong decisions to make. Because at some point you got to make decisions on your, in your own. Mm-hmm. And I think that was the moment that I found myself. I mean, that was the first moment. And the second was when I was in rehab and I was laying there and I re- I'll never forget it. I was laying there the first day and I was in this big intake room, like almost like a big dorm where they have single beds r- amassed along the walls. You know what I'm saying? Up and down, make 20 beds up and down. Inside. And I remember it was nobody there. I must've came in the first round of people. I don't know. But it was me and one other guy that was across the other side, down several beds, and he was going through withdrawals. And I remember thinking to myself, I don't belong in here. Like this ain't, and then another voice came in right after that and said, see, this is your problem. You arrogant. You think you're better than everybody. This is exactly where your ass is. Because this is why you're here. And then then from that moment, the next thought I had was my father, 10 years earlier saying, when I was living with him after I was out of high school, I wasn't doing nothing with my life. And he said, the only difference between you and the bum outside is that you live with me. Mm. And that hit me. And then it was the third voice was, so you tried to get sober for a girl, you tried to get sober for a job. Now you ain't got no job, you ain't got no girl. All you got is about 15 minutes worth of stand up that you've been working on and yourself. Do you care enough about David? Does David care enough about David to try to get himself together? Because I tried to do it for everything and everybody else. And it was in that moment that I realized that I wanted to have a different life. Mm. You know what I mean? And I had been exposed to and given and raised in church. So it was not hard for me to listen and understand that there is a power greater than myself that has something to offer and that had and that took care of me while I was out there because there was many times and situations and places that I was in that I could have lost my life. Mm-hmm. You know, in wow. the places in the streets that I were walking at three, four in the morning when you're on drugs looking for that next hit, that next thing. I was down in there. I never looked like I was on drugs. But I that you know what I mean? Like that was always my problem, which is a problem. When you're on drugs and you don't look like you're on drugs, it's hard to get drugs on the street. Don't nobody want to give it to you. They think you're the cops. <laughs> Everybody's the cops. They're like, no, man, you are the cops. I'm, like, I'm telling you. I'm, I'm telling you, I need it. Like, it's like, I had to spend so much time trying to, trying to make, convince people I was on drugs. I was like, maybe this ain't for me. This, 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 whole, this whole drinking and getting high stuff is too much work. I'm going against the right. You know what I mean? Like, and that's when I just had to shut it down. And when I shut it down, my life just changed in a different way. Mm. All the wow. stuff that I had been given and the things that I had been exposed to, church with my grandparents, the the times that I was in private school and the things that I did here and all, all of those things came back to me and they mm. and it gave me something to hold on to. And it gave me something to believe in and know that. Yeah, there's there's something else in the morning. There's something on the other side, you know, and that was the part that got me through. And I knew that going into this business, I I knew I was going to be successful. Mm. I never thought, oh, am I going to make it? Am I going to? It was never a ma- I never wondered if I was going to make it. All I wondered was what's going to be my journey and make sure that I have myself in a position that I don't. I'm not vulnerable to certain temptations and things like that. Cause we all have, 
You know what I'm yeah. saying? But there were things that I just didn't, I didn't want to be susceptible to. And I, and I've managed to, you know, stay clear of that. You know what I mean? And it's been, a, it's, it's been, and I, I got, it's not been like a struggle for me because I've, I just want a different life for myself. Mm-hmm. Wow. So with that and all the lessons you've learned, and I, I heard you said you was in the military too. Yes, I was. What, what? I barely made it out. <laughs> what branch? One more day, I would have got dishonorably discharged. You understand? I had been... <laughs> that, was another, that was another thing that was not for me. I, I, I was in the Navy. I, I, was a, I was a medic, and then I became a nurse. And the way I, the way I picked my job was, what y'all got that I can work in the air conditioning? That's, what I, that's how I picked my job. Like, wow. I didn't know I didn't care about nothing. I was like, I just don't want to be out in the heat. I'll do whatever job you got that's inside with the AC. And they said, Well, you could be a medic. And I come from a family of physicians. My doc, my my, you know, I have people who are physicians in my family. So I was like, Yeah, I, I'm gonna be a medic. And then I did that. And then the natural David is when I do something, I'm gonna do it at the best level that I can do it. So before I started doing stand-up, I started taking classes to get my nursing certification. So I just started doing all that and I got that. And then I started doing stand-up. So I was in the Navy for four years and I start, I found the stand-up literally six months before I got out and I got on stage and I got out and that was it. I just, I started doing, I started traveling the country for two years doing stand-up. Wow. With a nursing so, degree. Poor, in with the, you got your nursing degree. You got all this learning traits. And you got a lot of life lessons. So I know um, a good friend of mine, BZ, um, is getting mentored from you. And who? BT Kingsley. BZ, the voice. Oh yeah. Okay. What? <laughs> yes. Actually, he's been on the show. He's one good friend of mine. We work together doing buses, and it'll be fun. I was like, "How are you doing movies?" And you really he he went and <laughs> he went and did a movie driving a bus, and then. He really drove buses. That's all I was like. So it was real for you. Like it was real. Like yes, that's how you do it. I shot two short films in the in the family practice clinic that I was managing before I stopped my day job. I shot, I would work all week in the family practice clinic, and then I would shoot my short films in the clinic on the weekend when nobody was there. If they would have walked wow. in, it was a whole camera crew in there, I'd have been fired so quick. <laughs> I had to over. When you want to do it, you get it done. Yeah. Be resourceful. Done. Yes. Very you get much it so. Done. Yes. So, with that being said, what is some of the uh, advice? Anointed Radio really believes in spreading knowledge and wisdom through people's testimony because there's power in people's testimony. Mm-hmm. What advice would you give to someone that's trying to follow your footsteps, you know, for the next generation that is trying to be a stand up comedian? and they're going through so many things, um, what would you advise them and what would you tell them to look out for? Um, my advice to anybody who wants to do any even entertainment, but let's just, I'll, I'll use that because that's what we're talking about. You know, <clears throat> you, you have to be willing to do something that you love so much that when it's not working or you're not getting paid, you don't feel like it's not working. You mean it's not, you're failing. You got 
I would do stand-up. I would write short films. I would shoot short films. I would do everything that I've done. for. I've done it for free. You know what I mean? So, like, when you're doing it for free, you when you start getting paid, it... it it don't really, you know, you got to do something you love so much that you would be willing to do it for free. As long as you would be willing to do it to get there. You can't look at the people around you. Oh, they're doing this. They're doing that. My other friends from school or my friends that are my age and all that. If you compare your journey to everybody else around you, you can always find a reason why it's not going to work. Why you're too old. Why you're too young. Why you not this another. You can find all the reasons in the world why you can't. You know, that's very easy to do. Or you can find the one reason in the world that you can, which is I don't quit. There's nothing inside of me that's ever quit. I remember when we moved into this house, this was 14 years ago. I worked all since I was in Los Angeles for 10 years. I worked running a family practice clinic. I was a manager. I ran a family practice clinic. I got a little TV show on TV one called Black Men Revealed. I'll never forget this. First TV job. And something, my boy Rodney Perry was like, it's time for you to quit that job. And you can't be no real comedian, no real, until you get out of that, that safety net of a day job. Mm-hmm. And I remember I quit. As soon as I quit, they fired me off the show. They fired me off the TV wow. show. Welcome to show business. Told me I was, not, I was not black enough. I didn't represent what black men are supposed to look like. To be TV one, they, they've told me that several times. I've been told that many times by my black community that I am not black enough. Wow. So I just want to say that when I when I get my awards, which I will do, I will remind them of this as they try to make me go, oh, you represent the black. Remember, I wasn't black enough. Now I am. Mm-hmm. Exactly. I was sitting in this office. My kids were two and one in three. My wife was in the kitchen. We had just moved in this house and I was checking my balance on my bank account, our house bank account. I'll never forget this. And I pulled it up and it said zero. I will never forget the chill that came through my body that day because I have no job. I've been fired from this little TV show. The kids is in there playing. My wife is in there cooking. They don't know. All I know is we have nothing. Mm-hmm. And if there was a time I was going to quit and go grab my resume and go call the clinic and start over again, get back, be a nurse. That's what I, but I didn't do that. I said, you know what? I got some experience. I've been doing stand-up seven years or so. So I started doing a stand-up comedy class and I turned that into something. And now my stand-up class is the largest stand-up comedy class in the country. I have well wow. over 350 people wait on my waiting list. I can't even get to them. When I open up my class, I only take 10 people. When I open up my class, sold out in 35 minutes. Mm. But it all started from that. You got to love it like that. If you want to do this, you got to know that you're going to fail. I tell people, you want to you wanna be in entertainment? Know that they, you want to be a comedian? They not going to laugh. No, that's coming. Mm-hmm. They're not going to laugh. They're going to boo you. You're going to have scripts that ain't good. You're going to have all of that stuff. Everything that's supposed to happen. I tell this, I say this all the time. Obstacles are in the way to weed out the weak. That's what it's there for. It's there to make, make nobody's just giving you success. Mm-hmm. If, that, if that was the case, everybody would be killing. It ain't for that. 
It's it, it, the, your, your desire to do something has to be stronger than your fear of failure. Mm-hmm. That's what it has to be. It can't be nothing less than that. And anytime somebody has told me no, when, when, when the executives have told me you're not marketable, mm. I, I, I was like, don't, that's what made me start my social media run two years ago. Because they told me I was not marketable. Nobody wanted to see me. So I picked up my phone and I started posting videos with my family. That was a year and a half ago. I'm over a million followers between Facebook, Instagram, and and, and uh, TikTok. And I don't even lean into it like I always do. I go in and out. But like it just to prove that if I put something out there, people will come. My Netflix special that I got killed. It did so well with no marketing. I beat out the two Netflix originals that were released the same week mine was. The ones that they marketed, the ones that they put on a platform, mine was an independent. My, I shot. I took my money, Kevin Hart, and I shot mine myself in my hometown. And nobody was looking for me. And I said, if I'm going to you know, bet on anybody, I'm going to bet on me. Mm-hmm. I'm, I know this. And they bought it and it killed. And now this next, I just signed a deal to do another one. Netflix is all on board. Wow. They all on board. It's a Netflix original. Yes. And it's because I don't quit. You're hilarious. You you are just every video that I see. And I see you share your family, your kids. No one's off limit. No subject is off limit. And uh, I got to check none at all. And even I want to say, speaking of success, I I got to see you on Black Love. And and you've been married about 17 years, 18 years. And both you and your wife, Julie, who we all love, she's amazing. Um, you are very candid, you're very honest, and yeah. you're very open. I, and yeah. my the funny joke that I, I caught you on is divorce saved my marriage. Oh my God, I was gonna say that same, <laughs> same thing. And as a married man, I was like, why he preaching? Because he said, he said, why the only time that we agreed on something was to get rid of each other and then got mad because I laughed hard on that part because it's like <laughs> you got mad that you can't get rid of me because we broke. So we broke. <laughs> the truest story ever. It's so, and, it, and what's so funny about that? Oh, I'm sorry, did I interrupt you? Were you going? No, no, no. I, I'll ask afterwards. Yeah, you like that. That is where I'm at with my stand up, with my, with my, with the videos that I do here. Like I tell people all the time, none of it is scripted. It's in the moment. You know what I mean? As long as I got a point of view on something in a moment, whatever that is, I can go. That was a TV show that I wrote and we sold called Divorce Save My Marriage that Kevin Hart was actually executive producer of. And we actually were set to do it at BET. And then when the new president came in, she fired everybody and told me I wasn't marketable. And God said, we'll do your show, but nobody wants to see you. Bill Bellamy has to play you. Wow. I was like, uh, how you going to get somebody to play my life? We Women want to see a man that's sexy. Oh, <laughs> oh okay. Wow. So, like, look, that's, and that's Hollywood. That's how they do you. That's how they do you. But you know what? I go out, I, and I, all of my stuff comes from my truth. Everything that I do on stage, some of it is very raw. Some of it is very, you know, <laughs> very uh, different than, you know, it's not, 
But I, I, I speak my truth. I tell my truth. You know, I used to be worried about, because if you know me from Instagram, I don't curse. I don't do a lot of cursing. But if you see my stand-up special, I'd give it to you. And these two worlds, when my Netflix special came out, had to meet each other. Because all my Instagram followers, they had Facebook, especially Facebook. They so family. They so offended by everything. And they, <laughs> and, and they, they I, I saw, you know, 95% of the people who knew me from social media that was introduced to me, that was introduced to my stand-up, was like, oh, my God, it was so great to see you be raw and be real and be like, then there was 5%. The cursing, Jesus <laughs> and the Lord, I can't take it. And I was like, don't watch it. Like they were, I got so many emails from people and I was like, you don't have to watch it. Like, no, it's, it's, I'm going, I grew up in a house, like I said, where we were very, we had a relationship with, you know, with, with the Lord. And, but we also were very real. My grandfather would cuss me out. They would, they, I got cussed out on the way to church. And then, <laughs> you know, y'all were Baptist, huh? Y'all was Baptist. Seventh Day Adventist, close the door. Oh, okay. that's, that's close enough. Because you know, Baptist, you know, they smoke a cigarette on the way. On yes, the way out too. Yes, I've been to that church with my uncle. They be like, "Let me tell you something. When you get up in this church, say one thing, and I'm whooping all the asses." You hear it's me? All good. <laughs> I, I got grounded from church. Yes. Oh, <laughs> And it's just, I just feel like you don't have to leave. I feel like we're in a space and in a time and in a world where, in the climate that we're in, you can't lean, you can't try to pretend like you lean all in one way or the other. I just feel like that's a false representation. And if you do, you can't be judgmental of those who don't. Like, you know, there's a lot of comedians. I got a friend of mine, his name is Jonathan Slocum. And Jonathan is a comedian. Kev on stage. Kev is also another stand-up comedian, very religious, very smart. This dude is killing, right? And, you know, Kev is, both of these guys, they they do clean comedy. And they have asked me several times, I'm doing Kev's show next week. I My stand-up is not vulgar. The content, some of the stuff that I do is very adult, but I, I get on stage and I can do an hour and not, Curse never once. I do, I've done so many churches. I've done so many. That don't because I I'm not just one gear. Mm-hmm. I'm not just one thing. You know what I mean? So I can go in different directions and give you a little bit of everything. That's just who I am. That's how I was made. And instead of me trying to, people ask me all the time, well, you can't just do this and you can't do all that. And I'm like, I can do whatever I want to do. You can't mm-hmm. tell me what I can do. I can do what I want to do. And I'm good at doing, I could play in both because you're genuinely getting who I am. Right. And it's, not, it's, not, it's not made up. Mm-hmm. And I just wanted to ask, speaking of multidimensional, um, when I watch your videos, you can see you're very um, committed to marriage um, and, and you're, you're very careful in commenting on other people's relationships. So yeah. I look at, you know, this world where you see everybody, not everybody, but you see a lot of people get married today and divorced tomorrow. Yes. Um, so I want to know, what do you attribute the success to your marriage and lasting that long? Being you've been very candid, you know, there's been times you wanted to leave. And what would you say to married couples, especially young married couples today in, in regards to success and, and having a long lasting marriage? This is what I... 
I I am in no position to tell anybody what successful marriage is to other people. You know what I'm saying? Like my marriage lasted because neither one of us, when we wanted to leave, we was broke. That's the first break. We got thank God we ain't wanted to leave since. You know what I'm saying? Like that, that like honestly, if we had money, I wouldn't be married right now. I ain't gonna, I wouldn't, if I had money, like I got money now, oh, it's been over. She did, I now I ain't going far. I'm buying a house across the street. <laughs> <laughs> but I ain't gonna be up in here listening to you every day. And I ain't gonna force you to listen to me. Like that's I think that everybody has a different ideal of what's successful for them. I talked about Jada and Will when they went through the whole thing and everybody was like, oh yeah, that marriage. If that works for them, it ain't my job. Yeah. Well, the Lord, I, I ain't the Lord. And I don't need to speak for the Lord. Mm-hmm. The Lord when he talked to them, that ain't my job. I can say, hey, all right now, or I can say, that ain't for me. Outside of that, it don't matter. I don't think that marriage don't mean nothing like it used to because it's normally not done the way in which it was intended to be done. Mm-hmm. That's the reason why most of them don't work mm-hmm. because you don't go into them the way that you should go into them. Right. So it's not, we live in a different society now. I mean, I'm not going to lie to you. Marriage is a bad contract for a man. It's not a good contract to sign business. You give, you losing all your stuff. That, that ain't no good for nobody. Mm-mm. It ain't no good for nobody. That, I understand it's cheaper to keep. I understand all that. And if a woman married to a man who ain't got nothing, no good it might cost you to go to. <laughs> That's the world we live in now. It's a whole different They made it a whole different world now. Yeah. You yeah. know, I talked to my friends who said, I married for love twice. I'm done with that. Mm-hmm. So it's like I I I I I'm very leery to give anyone advice about marriage because my marriage is not perfect. My marriage is not, you know, a, I sh- there should be no book written on my marriage. You know what I mean? Like we are doing the best we can up in here to try to, you know, make it. That's we're not struggling. Like it's not like we're miserable, but we're not. You know, we're not. We're not. I, I just feel like you know, I ain't gonna be. I remember when what's the name of them start coming out with books. Devon Franklin, him and uh, with it. And this is the, all these. Things. I'm like, I, I need you not to be talking. I need you to do it. <laughs> you start writing books. That's just how I feel. <laughs> I, I'm yeah. like, I just been through so much. Like I don't even think you should talk about marriage till you till you cross seven, eight, nine years. Because you change so much. Who you marrying ain't going to be who you're looking at in five to seven years. It's just not. Mm-hmm. You change everybody. None of us in this in these boxes are the same people we were seven years ago. Not one nope. of them. Not at all. You're right. And I, I, I definitely could say what, what you said in your stand-up. I think what I, I took from it, from reflecting on my marriage, is being truthful with each other was the start of being able to really fix your marriage because I feel like sometimes we get so sugarcoated in the beginning of hurting oh. feelings and then finally when you took the bandit off and said I don't like this I I, I can't stand this now now you can actually identify the issue compared to being passive aggressive and saying well 
you know. And they'd be like, but I didn't really mean it, but you know. Right, and you, right. you kind of get, and, and I think that's one thing I took away from it because um, I've been married for almost 10 years now. God, to God be all the glory. But it wasn't always the, the sunshines and roses. And the best thing I could say is we truly got to know each other seven, eight years in, like you said. And yeah. because eventually living with someone for so long, you eventually start being brutally honest. Like, okay, we I, obviously we'd have made it past five year mark. You ain't going nowhere. I'm not going yeah. nowhere, but we're going to have to fix some of these things to adjust because to the older you, get, you, you start changing. You know, I got married at 20 and my wife was 19, but we, Woo! I'm 30, she's 29. So it's a whole Woo! different different uh, mindset. And I was in the military at that time. And, you know, I wasn't Pastor Jay. So it was, <laughs> it was, it was a difference. So it's just like one thing I could definitely say, I learned from your special. See, I, I see God in everything, even, even, even stand-ups and cartoons and everything. I just feel like the main thing that you were saying is that you got to be balanced. You have to be transparent and you have to be truthful with yourself before going ahead and worrying about anybody else. That's true though. Because it's going to catch up to you. Absolutely. It's going to yeah. catch up to me. Like, I 100%. That's what, yeah, I don't. I don't I don't speak on people's stuff. I don't. Because I, I know that I ain't in no position to do so. I know that I'm just trying to do the best I can to try to make sure that when my daughters go out, that they've, been, they've seen an example of a man who took care of his family, who loved their mother, and who made sure that everybody was okay, that everybody was taken care of. You know what I'm saying? Like, that's my biggest thing that I want my daughters to walk away with. I want them to have a sense of this is what a man should bring to the table for you, you know? And if they choose to marry a dude that's not, and they carry the whole weight and that's what they want to do, then I, I'm, I'm not going to like it, but ain't nothing I can do about that. I can't right. spend a lot of time trying to make you think that you deserve, you can do what you want to do, so. Because you yeah, out, That's their choice, yeah. They joke. I want them out. <laughs> exactly. So, uh, Clay, you have anything? No, go ahead. I, I was I was going to just say uh, thank you. So I was going to just say, before wrapping up, if anybody else has any questions for Mr. David Arnold, well, I, I have a bunch of questions. Oh, go, go ahead. I right, go ahead. Get hit me with a question. Go ahead. Okay, I just want to know. I, I know the Netflix special is, is next, but like, yeah. just, I mean, you've done, you you you've done everything and worked with everybody. So, what is like the the big thing you want next? Do you want to do a motion picture? Do you want? Uh, I know you're working on your own show. What what's yeah. next, for David A. Arnold? Um, the next, you know, this business is so. This business is so. It's in here one day and the next day it'd be gone. Like you'd be afraid to talk about stuff. The Netflix special, I did sign a deal to do another Netflix special, which I will film around this time next year because of the climate of the country and the virus. Everybody's not traveling as much. So it's, you know, much harder. I am currently developing and writing five, literally five TV shows. Um, I'm doing a show that I wrote I actually, I'm gonna get a call about this one here in the next few hours. I'm gonna find out if we're still doing it. Um, a show for Will Packer that I created. I created a show for a guy named DC Youngfly that I'm writing at Netflix. Okay. A show for Anthony Anderson that's an animated show at Apple TV. Uh, we have our own show 
that we're developing, me and my family, is a reality show based on us that's over at Oprah's Network. And we'll oh. start writing a script for that. I'm very excited about that. And then I have a show, my own show, uh, based on myself as a dad of two daughters um, at Disney Plus. So, um, I, you know, all of these things are on the plate. All of these things could be gone tomorrow. But <laughs> right. right now, I'm 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 literally writing. I've sold all the ideas. So I'm writing the, you know, I'm I'm writing the scripts, and it's been a blessing to be able to do this while we're in COVID, and a lot of people are not working. So some of these things, I hope you, I hope they, they they make it to the light of day. You know what I'm saying? If nothing else makes it to the light of day, my next stand up special will. But I I, I got faith that I'm gonna get. It's my turn to have a TV show. The only thing I've ever wanted to do was be a dad on a television show. Even before I was a dad and married, I never wanted to be nothing but a dad on a TV show before I was married with kids. Because my grandfather and my dad, they were the funniest people in the world to me. And I just wanted to be able to do a show and use all the antics that I've watched them use on me and share it with the world because I thought it was funny. And that's what most of my stand-up is about. Is about my childhood and family and relationships. So those are the things that we're working on. And I honestly believe that some of, you know, you get a chance to see some of these. I'm very excited about it. So so I have to put this joke out there because people say, <laughs> so when you said family dad, right? So yeah. people keep telling me by the time I get about 45, I'm going to look like Uncle Phil. So... <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I could joke on myself. So what? Yeah. <laughs> they said when I get by 45, because I, I started balding a little That's bit. That's hilarious. Really you know, COVID's rough to get a haircut nowadays. Oh, so, I know. <laughs> so, so, yeah, they, so that, that's hilarious. That, uh, But I think it's, it, it's, uh, it's inspiring, especially because there was so many people that was raised off TV dads. You know, yes. I just said example of, uh, of Uncle Phil. Yes, um, you know Carl Winslow and all these example of dads. Like, the Cosby, Cosby show, yeah, right. And yeah. you know, especially for people that did not have a dad or didn't have an active dad in their life, and that's the positive male role model that they got to see that wasn't their reality. You know, because a lot of people could step outside and choose a mentor outside, and it wouldn't have been that productive compared to seeing someone that they saw on TV every week. And it was somebody inspiring and actually brought them to think differently and outside of their reality. I, I, I was listening I to what you were saying, and I'm just laughing on the inside because as as Stable was saying that they told him he wasn't black enough. And I was thinking about it. You saying they telling you looking like Phil. Well, you ain't black enough to look like Phil. You, you're going to be the light skin version. It's um, so funny. <laughs> And, and and it's like, and I think that you're right, uh, Pastor Jay. Like a lot of people, they I get so many people that hit me up even now that talk about me being a father, and I get kids that hit me up and go, "You remind I don't have a dad. You remind me of." And I send videos, and I send I try to communicate. I get so many messages, I can't respond to all of them. So I know some people be offended, but I I, I like if I sat and just I used to try to do it, and I look up and it'd be eight hours. I can't get nothing done. So I had to just scroll through and hit the ones I can. 
you know, I, I there were some people that I it was a girl that was trying to go to school and I and I entered, I shared, I had her put together a you go fund me page and I shared it with some of my friends that we were able to get her her tuition to go to school. You know what I mean? Like I, I, I try to do what I can to help people and I try to use this small little platform that I have right now to try to, you know, just be of inspiration any way I can which is not always easy, you know, and especially on social media, because, you know, you go down a rabbit hole with people. And I try not, I, I used to in the beginning, when I first started, when my page starts, first started becoming popular, like a year and a half ago, I would be arguing with people. Now I don't do none of that. Like, I just, I can't do it. I just, I put mm-hmm. my stuff up. I hope they enjoy it. People want to, you know, fact check you and do all. And I'm like, I, I, I'm not responding to none of that stuff. I put yeah. stuff up, keep moving. I'm here to make you laugh. That's all I'm here to do. That's that. That's why I was brought here. That's why I don't share a lot of stuff outside of that because it don't matter. I want you to laugh and I want to, you know, be of inspiration to let people know that, you know, if you want to do something, you can do it if you just don't quit. Yeah. Amen. Because it ain't for the week. It ain't for the week, baby. Not, <laughs> nothing worthwhile is for the week. I'm telling you. I love it. <laughs> so, um, yes, I, I, I definitely want. I had to ask this because you you had my brain going. I know people are watching, yeah. so I know so many things and productions are going through. And yeah. the hard thing is, is casting calls because of the whole COVID and all that. So yeah. if you if your shows go, and I'm speaking into existence that all the shows that you spoke of is going to go in the name of yeah. Jesus. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And one thing I want to just say is, how are you going to cast for him? You know, because I know there's an actor out there, <coughs> myself, and um, <laughs> I was wondering how <laughs> casting mm-hmm. go for it. They do it on tape. I'm I'm literally producing a show right now. We're filming. We film episode two tomorrow. It's a it's a little kid show on Nickelodeon called Side Hustle with these two girls named Jaden Annie. These two little YouTube girls. They got their own show, and I I started doing producing this show with some friends of mine that I produced Fuller House with, and they asked me to come over and do this show. So we're literally casting right now, and. You know, I haven't talked to the casting directors, but I'm assuming that most of the casting is done like this. It's done, you know, via live stream, you know, and you read for the, because a lot of times you, some actors put things on tape. So like if you have representation or, you know, people who can represent you and send you out to audition and know about the auditions, it's still going to happen. I mean, I'm by the time the shows that I'm working on, that I'm developing, we go to film we'll be back to normal by then. You know what I mean? Like we'll be back to the normal process. But right now the show that I'm actively currently producing that we're doing, like I'm on Zoom all day now. I'm 10 a.m. to 7 p.m. I'm on Zoom. We'd write scripts and we're literally watching rehearsals via stream like this. They're at the studio and we're here watching. So yeah, it's getting done. It's getting done. So when it's time, I'm all, you know, when you see Jay, when you see that it's some stuff, it you hit me up, and I'm gonna I'm gonna get you audition to read. Now, if you're horrible, uh, <laughs> uh, uh, go ahead and go ahead and do the Uncle Phil for you. You be like, I need a pass to Jay. I don't need no Uncle Phil. I need. To hey, you said a dad. I'm a, that's my inspiration. Okay, that's the dad I watched. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, 
but I, I believe everything, like, you know, all seriousness, it's, it's great to be able to hear that it's still great things happening because so many people since COVID has seen the negative, but there's still great things working, still opportunities and doors opening. And I definitely um, love your testimony of what you're saying is that it's still working. It's still coming through. It's still happening for you, you know. Um, and one thing I, I could definitely say is it's great that you're you're getting I guess you could say getting your family involved because, you know, one thing about the entertainment business that I've learned in the little bit of time I've been in it is that it pulls you from your family. It yeah. takes you so much away from your family, you know, because it was a, it was a point where eventually I had an agent tell me in, in L.A., move to L.A. And I just bought a house in Vegas. And I was like, yeah, that's true. That's I mean, a lot of people. Uh, here's the deal. A lot of people ask me I think you muted yourself. A lot of people ask me about entertainment, especially comedians that I meet on the road that are opening up for me and they might ask me about being a comedian. And I always tell people at some point, you will have to go to where, at some point, you'll have to go to where the entertainment capital of New York or LA. Like it, you need to, you need to be there. Now I will say this, I will say that you can build up, this social media is real now. I just did, you know, it's very real. A lot of these people are getting shows and opportunities. You know, like if you pitch somebody like in a writer's room and producers and we're talking about an actor or somebody that could play a role, the first thing they say is bring up their Instagram. Mm. First thing they say now, because whatever it is you or that person says that they want to do should be reflected in their social media. You know, you if you go to my page, you can see I'm a comedian, I'm a writer, I'm funny. You're going to get that from being on my page. People who want to do this, we try to make people understand that this world is like really changing. Like casting yeah. directors said to us, hey, can you cast somebody who's a social media uh, star? They're not even an actor. They just got 1.2 million followers. You know what I mean? So they, they just want them. They might be horrible. So we bring them in to do two lines. You know what I mean? Because they're going to tweet it out and, and 1.2 million people going to see that they on that show. It's a real mm -hmm. thing. So... You know, I always tell people in this business, you want to be in this business, it needs to be reflective in your social media because that's your calling card to life now almost. It's like it's real. It's, it's not going away. It's more and more real. I've got more work. I've got more opportunities because of so I landed my job writing with Tyler Perry because of social media. It's all it's all it's it's not going away. So you know, that's a piece of advice I would have people take seriously too. Boom. See, that was the that was that was one. See? See, that was the one that we was looking for right there. That that was the advice right there. That was that was the that had to dig a little bit for that right there. Cause that was the meat and potatoes, because a lot of people don't know that. And especially um if you ignorant yeah. to the entertainment world, when I first got there, I didn't know what a reel was. And it was like, You got a reel? I was like, I am real. Right. right, I am real. What you mean? I am real. Here's my head. I'm, I'm real. I'm a model. I'm an actor. I'm all that. And he's and he said, "Do you have right. a real though of you acting though?" And I was like, "Nah, I ain't got none of that." And so yeah. I did some <laughs> short films here and did a series just to build up that. But you, it's true because I learned going to LA and doing all the modeling and acting and cast calls and all that stuff that you really got to build up you. If you don't build up yeah. you, no matter what casting director you're in front of. They really don't know what you could do. Right. You know, you could be the, the dopest person. You could say the dopest monologue, but then in front of a camera, you could choke up. 
and yeah. they want to see your work, even if it's self-made work, so that you can be able to present it, you know. So, yeah, I definitely agree. And I thank you for that advice out there because I know there's a lot of people that did not know about that. And now they can step the A game up. That's true. And now you can do, and you can, and, and yeah, and now you can really do that with social media. You can keep all that stuff. You can put it right up there for the world to see. Good, you're going to get feedback on it immediately. Right. right. All right. Well, this this we didn't even play no music, ain't that something? We're gonna That's play okay. some music. It wasn't meant to be. Oh yeah, I know. <laughs> I guess not. I'll be talking. Sorry. I didn't... He, no, he, he said music. Y'all gonna? I could have came back. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, no, 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 no. Don't, don't come back. Like, just go ahead and start. We, we, we just go ahead and start. It's okay. We just go ahead and start. So with that being said, one thing I want to say in the bottom of my heart is thank you so much on the behalf of Anointed Radio for coming on today. Um, we really appreciate you showing us some love, giving, giving the knowledge that you have, giving us your insight, your testimony, because all of that really helped somebody out there. I could just speak that into existence already. That somebody that was listening to that really learned a lot. And you don't you never know whose life you affect. And if you affect one life, that's a thousand lives. So that's that's a whole bunch of influence that's in the better way compared to, you know, just being able to make people laugh. But changing their life is is dramatic as well as too. Mm -hmm. So with that, I just want to say thank you. Now you got family um, in Las Vegas. So, you know, you drove to go get your, uh, your, your, your Labrador. Yeah, I will make sure I come by and bring your Labrador poodle. You went and passed Las Vegas because you came through Vegas to go get your Labrador poodle. I did. So, <laughs> so now, so that y'all not stopping at random gas stations and being real spooked. You now you come get you some food, get you a plate. Now you got some people, some family here in Las Vegas that you could hit us up, and we are here for you. And thank you so much. And with that being said, because you know. I know y'all y'all sitting here like man it's almost it's 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 past seven o'clock so hey man I passed my bedtime hallelujah <laughs> amen um with Would that you, being said follow me on Instagram please oh we gonna everybody go follow like um David A Arnold on Instagram what's your cash app you know we church so you know church is, we <laughs> take cash app so I'm just gonna throw that out there so what's your cash app somebody gonna throw <laughs> somebody gonna throw seed into your ministry amen. <laughs> Oh you, you ain't got no cash. You don't need no cash. We can go ahead and uh, uh, tell, 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 tell him his cash app. It should be his name, David A. Honor. That, that's what his mommy called him. That's what it should be cash app. Um, yeah, I, think it is, I think it's like, I think D. Arnold, 315. I really do. I think it okay, is. Okay. So anybody want to throw a seed in his ministry? I don't need them to send me go ahead. Go ahead he and throw a seed. I already got it. Hey, hey, wait a minute. I'm, if, if the seed is for him, what's for him is for him. That's what says the Lord. Amen. So if you want to sow a seed into his ministry, especially he's teaching, and you never know, he can make that as into a scholarship for somebody that can't afford his stand up. So, you know, it's it's different ways. Giving is all good. So with that, that being, David A. Arnold, go follow him, Instagram, Facebook, 
everything. Go follow him. Make sure you go watch the Netflix special Fat Ballerina. Um, and make sure you go support him. He's doing some great things. He's doing a lot of things in the background. You heard a little bit, but it's probably even more that's to come. So make sure you stay tuned. And with that being said, uh, one thing, oh, I wanted to say this too, um, to kind of just say it because I have a radio show and I can say what I want to say on my radio show. Amen. Um, is that I want to just have everybody pray for the Williams family in the Bay Area. Um, they real n- near to my heart right now. Um, especially because the loss of Mr. Lavelle Williams. I want to have everybody pray for the Williams family. I know it's a lot going on, um, especially his mother. Um, I'll be actually heading to the Bay to sing at that funeral. So with that being said, I just want everybody to just pray, you know, and I'm using my platform to do this because sometimes prayer is needed. And I know a lot of people are like, why you be saying it on Facebook for people to pray? And, you know, people don't pray anyway. Well, I, for the person that really do prayer, the real prayer warriors mm-hmm. during that time, because you, 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 and it's unfathomable to think about me losing any of my kids. I want my kids to bury me, not me burying them. And there's a mother right now mm-hmm. and a father right now, Perry Williams and uh, Carrie James, that's going through some things right now. So just pray for them. They're going through some real stuff. Um, and the, his uh, brother and sister, make sure you pray for them. Um, that Yeah, I just wanted to put that out there. I'm going to actually play um, his favorite gospel song, Amen. You know, he had his favorite gospel song. And I'm going to play it by, it's by Lecrae. Um and it is called Take Me As I Am, which defined that was definitely his definition of life. So that's what we'll be ending out on with everybody. Make sure you tune in next week. We're going to have a great show for you. Thank you again, Mr. David Arnold, for everything that you're doing on the show. And um, keep doing great things, my brother. You ain't yeah. you know, you representing for us light skinned people that ain't black enough to do certain TV shows where they gotta get dark skinned people like Bill Bellamy to go do it. I, I never understand that part, but okay. It, next thing you know, they'll be like, You talk white, and you'll be like, How do you talk a color? But hey, it is what it is. So, with that being with that being said, everybody, much love. That was the show. Um, and I guess the only advice I can say is love the people around you while they're here. Give them their roses while they're here because you never know, and especially in 2020. And if you made it this far, obviously God has showed you that Jesus is real, that he's has a real calling for your life because there's a whole lot of people leaving here. So stay focused on the good things and, and the things that you value um, should be the things that you already got. And that's the love of your family, friends and relationships. And and I say that all in Jesus' precious name. Um yeah, see y'all. I talked to a cat the other day. He was like, man, I really want to come to Christ, but I got to clean my life up first, get my sins together. I told him, I used to think that way too. I thought I had to change myself before I could come to Christ. But Christ changed me. Let me tell you my story starts like this. It's 546 in the morning, tossing and turning, chest burning. Sermons in my head keep reoccurring. Having visions in my head of a kid, dragging at the feet of the father for all the wrong things that he did. Now I'm sweating in my sheets, can't sleep. My mind keeps telling me I'm six feet deep. Don't remind me, even though I'm still alive, I can't tell. The way I'm living my life, I feel I'm going to hell. God, they telling me I should accept you, that you had to leave the world because the world left you. Reason I can't change. 
change like a mystery to me. So I make believe it really is a heaven for a G. Even though they say you love the world so much, you shed your blood. God, I feel I'm too messed up for love. They tell me come as I am, but I smell like smoke. My whole life's full of sin, cause it's all I know. The Bible told me that you died for my sins. If I believe in Christ, to save me from the end. But I'm scared to ask you to save me. My heart's so evil, like I thought that's full of hatred. Hurtful people, I thought that first I had to clean up my life. Now I'm here and I just need to cling to the light I'm ready to do it, but Lord, I pray you understand My life is a mess, will you take me as I am? Will you take me as I am? I know the way I'm living is wrong But I can't change on my own, trying to make it alone I wonder, how could you love me when my life's so ugly? But you came down and died for me Will you take me as I am? I know the way I'm living is wrong But I can't change on my own, trying to make it alone I wonder, how could you love me when my life's so ugly? But you came down and died for me taught me to be. I'm grown up now. Life ain't what I thought it would be. I made many mistakes in my past. I can't fix. Now I'm staring at this crucifix. Tatted on my wrist. Is it true what they're telling me? Am I just crazy? Did you bleed on the cross for my sins to save me? But why would you die for me? My whole life I've been working for Satan while he fed lies to me. And now I'm hearing too much. Trying to get a true touch of a love that can change me. I'm all screwed up. Figure hell is what I deserve. But your word says we all fall short. So I guess we all Teach me, I want to learn How you can save a wretch like me Before death says it's my turn I think I finally understand No matter my past, you still take me as I am Will you take me as I am? I know the way I'm living is wrong But I can't change on my own Trying to make it alone I wonder, how could you love me when my life's so ugly? But you came down and died for me Will you take me as I am? I know the way I'm living is wrong But I can't change on my own Trying to make it alone I wonder, how could you love me when my life's so ugly? But you came down and died I'll be telling people the reason to live, the reason to die. United with the king in the sky. This life is passing us by. I got no reason to lie. You'll never give the world enough. They'll hunger for more. They'll fickle their ways of nothing to the wondrous Lord. More security than the man that left you. More love than the moms who kept you. He'll always accept you. Be everything you're supposed to. Let Christ rule your heart, mind, body, and soul. Cause he chose you. And if the world don't know you, it don't matter. You're God's child and he'll never disown you. Your purpose. On earth is far from worthless That's why you glorify like your life's been purchased And it don't matter if the world don't see us We still mean the world to Jesus Will you take me as I am? I know the way I'm living is wrong But I can't change on my own Trying to make it alone I wonder how could you love me when my life's so ugly But you came down and died for me Will you take me as I am? I know the way I'm living is wrong But I can't change on my own Trying to make it alone I wonder how could you love me when my life's so ugly But you came down and died for me Will you take me as I am? Yeah, we're saved by grace through faith. It's not works. Ain't nothing you can do. Ain't nothing I can do that can get us this great salvation that we got, man. It's only Christ. So if you feel like you gotta clean yourself up before you can come to Him, forget it. Just come to Him. He'll take you as you are. He'll change you from the inside out. Thank you.